Join us for the Criterion Institute podcast as Joy Anderson, a global thought leader in business and social change, leads us through a series of discussions, interviews, frameworks, rants, and reframes that will help you better understand how to use finance as a tool for transformative systems change. As the fields of gender lens investing and impact investing mature, the need to advance the way we do analysis and set benchmarks for better practice has never been more pronounced. We are seeing a growing number of standard setters from governments to private investors willing to use their power to ask for more from their investments, but they're not quite sure where to start. Meanwhile, progress towards critical social change outcomes remains painfully slow, with little certainty around attribution or a certain indication of how we might get there. The work of Criterion Institute is fundamentally about challenging power dynamics in finance as part of the work of social change. Today, we're going to focus on how standard setters such as governments or other asset owners might disrupt power, privilege, and bias within a very specific area of investment practice, risk assessment. This and other standards related to other areas of finance were developed as part of the work that Criterion has done over the last several years alongside many friends and funders, including Global Affairs Canada, 2X Global, UNICEF, MEDA, and Andy. Criterion standards of practice fall in three buckets, processes, structures, and analysis. For this segment, going to look at one of the approaches that we're taking within that analysis bucket. And that's tied to re-examining how we look at risk to include gender-based violence as a social pattern, as a catastrophic issue in the world as a ubiquitous reality that might inform our investment risk. Finance looks at patterns inside companies, sectors, and geography that create risk to an investment. And so the strategy to shift power here is to advocate for adding new data or eliminating bias in how data is assessed so that we can change what's valued. At this point, many investors simply ignore data tied to gender-based violence as relevant to their investment risk. And so what if they included it? This is solely focused on how patterns of gender-based violence create investment risks and aligned with how investors understand their risks now. It isn't necessarily looking at whether or not there is an increased risk of gender-based violence within the investment or as a result of the investment. What this is looking at is how does gender-based violence present an investment risk, not how would an investment create a risk of gender-based violence. Both are important. This is looking from the first perspective. So what happens now? Investment analysts assess the risk of a company or a market, and particularly a systemic risk, right? Looking at market risks that have not necessarily just in the company, 
but how an industry or a geography might create a risk for an investment. By assessing that risk, they therefore are able to calculate the long-term value of an investment. So what are the power dynamics in this now? One is quite simply a lack of inclusion of data, right? So investors lack the diverse knowledge and experience to be able to look at this data. The second is while gender-based violence in many parts of investments, particularly in development finance institutions, development banks, there are many places where investors are asked to have a do-no-harm screen on gender-based violence. In general, there's very little accountability to say, but you actually have to take these into account in your investment decision-making. So there's a norm in finance that certain analysis of risk matter more than others. And so looking at what will it take, what is the action necessary to actually shift and say that the presence or the absence of gender-based violence is material to investments. And in the end, this is to say that gender-based violence, like many other structural inequities in the world, is ubiquitous. It's relevant to all investments. The question is, how do we come to understand that? How do we, with integrity, make sure that we are looking at that in all circumstances, not just when we're being asked to do so? So the standard of practice that we're requesting is that analysts and investment firms value risks in companies and markets informed by the patterns of gender-based violence in those markets and companies. What would it look like if this was put in place? We would start including different types of gender-based violence data drawn from a variety of sources. And there is a good amount of data out there now on gender-based violence from industry bodies, from governments, from research firms, from civil society. And that would be included in the investment firm's analysis of companies and markets. Maybe second piece is investment firms would be transparent in how their data and their risk calculations and how the risk of gender-based violence affected their investment decision. Investors are willing then to use their power to signal gender-based violence as a material risk in how they value and assess companies and markets. And this level of materiality, like what happened with climate change, can be a form of signaling that can make a difference, right? Naming the gender-based violence is a ubiquitous issue. The costs of this, what would it actually take to implement this? And often the concern is that there will be significant costs or significant risks to collecting data. Collecting data at a company level can be quite tricky, but there are forms of proxy that can be used to determine what level of gender-based violence or what is the impact of gender-based violence in a sector or an industry. This is actually quite well studied. And so the upfront costs would be to really translate what this data means to the investment thesis of the investors. What does this mean in the context of the investments that are being made by this firm in the context of the particular sectors, the types of companies. The second cost would be 
a culture change, right? A shift in the informal norms that currently exist to say, it's an uncomfortable topic. I'd rather not talk about it. I think it's an interesting question to say which of those costs are greater, <laughs> right? Is it the data that would need to be incorporated, which might be, I mean, initially it would be a set of work to figure out how this is relevant. But I actually think the larger cost um, within the organization is the shift to ensure that analysts and others see this as material to investments and actually value it. And that kind of change is quite important for people who are naming that they're investing with a gender lens to ensure that those doing analysis actually see gender patterns as material. What would a standard setter, what would somebody asking for this standard need? So in some ways, many people can ask for this, right? So without a significant amount of influence, you can use the power as a standard setter to say, I want to see this, right? So an asset owner putting money into an investment firm can request this. By itself, that can make a difference, right? It might not mean it's an immediate change of practice, but asking for it matters. There might be places where a investor, where an asset owner or a person asking for this standard would need to pay for the additional data or capacity. Maybe the upfront cost. This is a role where, you know, sort of grants and technical assistance can be helpful to sort of make the initial shift. I will say, though, often much of that has been funded within many investors. I think the question is to say, is that being used, right? Is the knowledge of gender-based violence the patterns that influence the sector or industry in which the investment is situated? Are those actually influencing decision-making? And so at this point, sort of thinking about what will it take to push for a change in practice? That might mean a willingness to withdraw support for the investment. So in the end, the standard of practice is about saying gender-based violence is a ubiquitous experience in the world. One in three women experience gender-based violence in their lifetime. That is material. And how do we have that reality, that experience, that data inform how risk is analyzed in an investment? To learn more about our work, visit us at criterioninstitute.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your reviews help our podcast reach a wider audience. Thanks for listening.